Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, last week I spoke of preparing for the coming of the Lord. And I used that great image from the second chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, the image of the Lord's holy mountain. I suggested that Advent's all about making that mountain the highest mountain in our lives. And once we do that, all the elements within us will stream toward it and find harmony and peace. Well, now on the second Sunday of Advent, I want to follow the church as she invites us to look at another chapter of Isaiah. Remember, by the way, last week I told you, I'll say it again, during Advent, maybe read through in a prayerful way the book of the prophet Isaiah. So today we're going from chapter 2 to chapter 11. And here we find this magnificent description of the world that emerges at the coming of the Messiah. So Isaiah is, is prophesizing. He's looking to the future. He's envisioning what things will be like when the Messiah comes. The first thing we hear is that the Messiah will be a new David. Now, we might miss the, the power of that, but gosh, nobody in ancient Israel missed the power of that. Listen. On that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Now, whenever you talk about the, the stump or the root of Jesse, you're talking about Jesse, who was the father of David. So David came forth from Jesse, and then the, the, the promise was, that the line of David would continue into perpetuity. So the definitive David, the definitive son of Jesse, would be the Messiah. Now, to say David for an ancient Israelite was to say the definitive king, the one who would rightly rule the holy people of Israel. You know, everybody, one way to understand the nature of sin, according to the Bible, is in terms of bad kingship. Adam proved to be a very compromised and wicked king of Eden. Now, why? Because he allowed evil to reign there. And then breaking his contact with God, the result was, was a falling apart of what God intended. Adam was meant to defend the garden and then to expand its boundaries outward, to be a great king on the march, to bring God's way of being into the whole of creation. Might we read now the whole history of salvation as Israel's great quest for a true and just and holy king? Someone who would live out the proper vocation of Adam. So think of Israelite history stretching from Abraham, Jacob, and Moses to Joshua, Saul, and David. 
as the story of that search for a true king. Were all those figures compromised, including David? Yeah, just read the stories and you'll see. And so Israel longs for the definitive son of David. Now, by being a good king and reestablishing right praise, putting God at the center of everything, this new David would commence the work of knitting humanity back together. Indeed, knitting all of creation back together. Again, back to Isaiah chapter 11. His, that means the Messiah, the new David, his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. doesn't mean he's frightened of, of God. It means that he's put the reverence for God at the heart of the operation. And see, this will then knit the nation back together. Further, Isaiah describes him, he will judge the poor with justice and decide a right for the lands afflicted. Where do injustice and affliction come from? But from sin. And so the judgment here involves not just a legal determination, you know, who's right, who's wrong, but rather an active setting right of what is wrong. Again, listen, this is from Isaiah chapter 11. He, the Messiah, shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Well, all the kings of Israel were warriors, including David. And this definitive Davidic king will be no exception. He will perform the kingly duties that Adam and all his descendants shirked. It's beautiful. Isaiah speaks of a belt and a band around his waist. What does that mean? Scholars say for ancient Israel, that would have suggested strong action. They speak often like of girding up your loins, you know, putting on your, your belt, and it means you're ready to go. In other words, this definitive David will do the work of establishing God's righteousness on the earth. And then we see, and I think this is a theme, everybody, that's so overlooked often in the Bible, but it's really powerful. We'll see one of the principal fruits of his labor which will be the knitting together of creation. Listen. Then the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion shall browse together. Those famous words, beautiful lyrical words. But see, to understand this, we have to remember the very beginning of the book of Genesis. All of creation was designed to come together under the leadership of humanity to give right praise to God. Remember that wonderful opening of Genesis as all the creatures come forth from God in a sort of orderly, even liturgical procession, one stately emergence after the other. At the end of the liturgical procession comes humanity because their purpose will be to lead all of creation in a chorus of right praise. What does sin do? Again, Genesis couldn't be clearer on this. It causes trouble in us, yes indeed. It causes trouble among us, human beings, and it causes trouble at the cosmic level. There's a breakdown of what should connect all things together. And so how beautifully Isaiah invokes 
the work of the definitive David, the Messiah, that wolf and lamb, leopard and, and kid, calf and young lion, these antagonistic forces will find harmony. You know, a great image here from Genesis is before the fall, when all the animals come to Adam to be named, and they come peacefully under his um, direction, you might say, or his, his lordship. That's the biblical image of the knitting together of creation. Now, the description I find most telling here, so we got lion, lamb, and so on, but at the very end it says this, when the Messiah comes, the baby shall play by the cobra's den, and the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. So, striking, beautiful. But you're a biblical person? Once again, you're going to go back to the book of Genesis here. Who was the one who led Adam and Eve into sin? But the serpent. And so when we speak here of, of the baby shall play by the cobra's den, the child lay his hand on the adder's lair, what's being invoked is the power of sin. It's precisely the serpent that led them into sin, and therefore the Messiah, when he comes, will deal with that fundamental problem. So go back to his work of, of justice and righteousness. Well, it all comes down to dealing with the problem of sin. When that's dealt with, creation now finds its harmony and order. And then lastly, I'm still with reading one now, chapter 11 of, of Isaiah. Finally, we hear that when the Messiah comes and does this great work on behalf of Israel and the whole world, listen now, he will be set up as a signal for the nations. The Gentiles shall seek out, for his dwelling will be glorious. This is a basic biblical theme, everybody. The import of the Messiah of Israel is universal. The Messiah is not just for the Jewish people, but for the whole world. For through him, and here's how our reading for today ends, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as water covers the sea. Gorgeous language. But see, from the work of the Mashiach, the anointed, the new David, who's girded his belt, he's gotten to work, he's setting right what's wrong, he's knitting back creation, from that work, all of the world will be brought into harmony. Okay? Now remember, it's Advent. What are we doing? We're preparing for the coming of the Lord. We're preparing our minds and hearts to receive him. So all of that description was meant to prime the pump for the coming of Jesus. One of the most consistent titles used for Jesus in the New Testament is Son of David. Once you see that, go through the Gospels and just underline or highlight each time you see Son of David. Again and again, the Gospels are insisting that he is the long-expected Mashiach, or anointed one. Moreover, we hear again and again in the, in the Gospels, he's come to establish a kingdom with himself as king. Indeed, he's girded his loins and put on his belt for action. How, how active Jesus is. It's a, a contrast in some ways with you know, gurus and teachers from other religions who are, who are basically wisdom figures. 
Jesus is that, but what you catch in the Gospels, I think, is much more Jesus in action. He's doing, he's accomplishing something. What's he accomplishing but the divine justice? Think now of Jesus reaching out to the poor, healing the sick, including everyone in his, in his open table fellowship. He is indeed the one who's knitting this riven creation back together. And then on that terrible cross, what did he do? But like the Davidic warrior, he did battle with the dysfunction of the sinful world. What he solved on that cross, everybody, was the problem of the child and the adder, of the child and the cobra. He solved the problem of sin. He dealt with sin and hence established justice at the most fundamental level. Now, now, read the epistles of Paul, and you'll see this next theme so clearly. Does this work of the Mashiach, of Jesus, have cosmic implications? Read the first chapter of Colossians. Read through much of, of Paul's literature, and you'll find that it has, exactly as Isaiah anticipated, cosmic implications. And then finally, did this great work of Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, function as a magnet to the rest of the world? Listen to Paul in our second reading. For I say that Christ became a minister of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises to the patriarchs. Now listen. But so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Do you see his point? This great work of Jesus anticipated by Isaiah, this work of establishing justice, knitting together creation, doing battle with sin, now becomes a magnet to the Gentiles. That means to the rest of the world. And finally, may I say, this is the work of the church up and down the ages, to hold up the lumen gentium, as Vatican II called them, the light of the nations. We hold up the messianic work of Jesus, so that all might be drawn into his power. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.